This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. It's rare that you find an engineer who knows science, religion, tech, and marketing all in one person. Oh, and a best-selling author doesn't hurt either. Perry Marshall, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to talk to you today. Likewise, likewise. And I know in our show notes we talked about it's been a year since we tried to line this up. So again, thank you for your patience and perseverance to, to get you on the show. Well, um, we're going to yeah, we're going to roll up our sleeves and get into some very useful stuff. Good stuff. So, good stuff. So, so, so tell the audience a little bit, like, a, you know, I gave you the intro and all those things. So, uh, you know, what are you working on right now? What are some things that are really keeping you moving and, uh, and keeping things interesting in your life? Well, I, I have like two things simultaneously. So one thing is, is figuring out, you know, what, what is the next generation of business strategy and where is the 80-20 principle taking us next? Because um, I think we live in a post-marketing age. Marketing is necessary, but no longer sufficient. You need something much more substantive than that. And then I have a huge other uh, world happening with a project called Evolution 2.0, which has just leaped forward in the last year. We have the largest uh, science and technology prize for basic research in the world, $10 million. We announced it at the Royal Society last year, and uh, we're, we're gaining traction with uh, very interesting things in, in the mix. And um, really, in my mind, these things all go together, but I, I do realize that from the outset, they probably sound like completely different endeavors. But, you know, the funny thing is, you know, my career, I started off in accounting, then IT, and then back to accounting after the dot-com thing kind of blew up, and then got into nonprofit leadership and healthcare. So all these weird twists and turns, but I find the tool bag that I use, I tend to use the same tools. So even, like you said, you're looking at two different things, you know, the gifts and skills that you have are easily used in, in both of those arenas and you don't necessarily have to think about, okay, what, what do I do in this situation? You just intrinsically know and you know which things to use to be able to uh, move things forward. So congratulations on, on both of those endeavors. I, I do want to jump in real quick on, on the marketing comment because I agree um, because marketing is more quote unquote accessible to people than it used to be. Yes, far um, more. So vastly more. Yeah. So from the social media standpoint, we're all doing our own marketing. You know, some, yes, some are doing well, some are not. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're all doing it. So what happens in, you know, I'm guessing you'd agree with this is the market is so saturated. It's, it's very difficult for your message to be seen unless somebody is specifically looking for it. It's like looking at a river and trying to find that one fish that's going to be flying by. Um, and you're going, okay, where is it? Yeah, it's very difficult to find. So uh, I'm curious to see, you know, like I said, what, you know, what strategies you think people should be focusing on in the 80-20 rule um, and figure out, okay, what's, you know, what's the next step? What do we need to be doing now uh, to differentiate from just the basic marketing that people seem to be doing? Well, what people are doing that is working and really working 
well. Just about everybody that I am uh, involved with uh, that's succeeding, they are building self-reinforcing networks. Now, that sounds like probably kind of abstract and abstruse, but um, it's, it's almost like, so, so, so think of it like this, that every castle needs a moat. And, in, and there's 20th century moats are things like factories and capital and banks and boardrooms and, uh, and uh, legislation and tariffs and stuff like that. Uh, it's very kind of muscle-oriented stuff. Uh, in the 20th century, 21st century, the moats are invisible. So here's, here's what I mean by that. There isn't any intelligent person that doesn't know how to create an Uber. You, you hire um, some programmers, they write, some, they write an app, install it on a cell phone, and now uh, you know, there's a taxi service anywhere in the world. But good luck. Why? Because Uber, Uber has the riders, which attracts the drivers, which lowers the wait time, which attracts the riders, which attracts the drivers, which lowers the wait time. And once, once they're established, there's no getting rid of them. And that's what I call an invisible moat around their castle. Like, well, there's lift, and like, that's pretty much it. Um, and, and this is the nature of 21st century advantages. And it's very different than what people are accustomed to. Yeah, agreed, because we're, we're used to those boardrooms and the castles and factories and all of those things, because we, we see businesses like Uber and Lyft that, you know, weren't around that long ago. And all of a sudden they've come in and have you know, completely upended a lot of industries and, mm -hmm. and even, you know, my own situation, when I travel, it is very rare for me to rent a car. I'll, me too. Just, I'll just grab an Uber Lyft and, and go to my destination. And even if I have to take a few of them to you know, bounce around town or do whatever I'm doing while I'm in town, it's still cheaper than what a rental car would cost. So it, it's definitely put a dent in that industry. And I know for some people that, uh, especially if they work in a large city that has transit and whatnot, they may not even have a car. So that impacts the car industry. And it, it's really shaken things up. And again, it's just something that, you know, we had some ideas, somebody came to it, they developed an app uh, and away they went. And, you know, it's, that's available for anybody to come up with something new, you know, to come up with a third version of that. Again, you know, the market's only going to bear what it's going to bear. You're going to have to differentiate yourself from the other two and say, okay, well, why would I use that one instead of these two known ones? And I was actually in an, an Uber car, uh, it was about a year and a half ago, and there was a local company uh, based out of Toronto in San Diego, but it was in Toronto when this happened. And 
he handed me this card and I'm looking at it and I'm like, what the heck is this? And he's explained to me, it's, it's a new service that's coming. It's, it's better than Uber than Lyft. I'm like, okay, great. Well, I haven't seen them since I haven't seen them marketed anywhere. So apparently they realized, you know, they were going <laughs> up uh, against uh, a Goliath and, you know, they were David, but they didn't have a slingshot or a rocks or guns or anything else. They, it was just a bad, bad scene. So I'm like, okay, well, that, that's good. Um, I wish you well, but you know, they didn't last because again, they were going after a market that already existed. Uh, so it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the new creations that come out there and how people get the marketing, you know, they have to get awareness, social awareness. Uh, people have to talk about it. word of mouth, obviously is a huge thing now and it happens fast, typically on bad things and not great things. But when something comes along, that's you know, really innovative. They're like, wow, this is actually a really cool thing. And you tell everybody about it, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of creations we see in the next decade or so that we haven't seen yet. And I'm sure there's things there, but we haven't, we just, for many of us, we're not necessarily thinking about it. But if we took the time and actually thought about the conveniences of life and what could make things more convenient, there's a good way to start from my observation. Well, there are still a lot, 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 lot of serious problems in the world that nobody's solved. And so, yeah, you could wake up in the morning and go, you know, I think I'm going to go into business for myself. I think I'm going to be a web designer. And then you can get online with 150,000 other people and, you know, uh, try to build a website for $25, right? Um, or you can go solve a hard problem. And what my best clients and students, what all of them are doing is, is they are solving a problem that nobody else was particularly interested in solving or just thought was too hard or, or took uh, like too much time, sweat, and effort. So here's an example of one of my clients that I'm, I'm really proud of. He, uh, he went, he, he put together a course on how to hire a personal assistant and uh, he, he went to a mastermind group and he told everybody about it. And somebody said, you know, it's him. I don't want to go read your course about how I hire an assistant and then go through 119 steps and go hire him. I want somebody to deliver me an assistant on a silver platter. And, and he's like, he had this moment of realization. It was like, oh, no. He's right. Uh, I really don't want to do this. But you know what? This is what the market actually wants. So I mean, am I going to do this or not? And he finally decided, yes, I'm going to do this. And so he, he went to the trouble of building an entire company and system for matching virtual assistants with entrepreneurs not butchers, bakers, candlestick makers, uh, college professors, no, entrepreneurs. And he developed all of the screening systems, all of the hiring systems, all of the advertising, all of the steps. And he built this company called Great Assistant. Now, this is a spectacular example of a company with an invisible moat around it because what he's done is he's joined two audiences together, 
the entrepreneurs who want assistance and all of the people out there that are looking for a virtual assistant kind of a job. And he figured out how to match them up properly. And every time they do this and improve their system a little bit, it makes the whole network more efficient. It's like Uber. It's not obviously like Uber, but in a less obvious way, it's very much like Uber, where the better his system gets, the, the harder and harder it is for a competitor to step in and knock him off, even though it looks as though his, ease, his business is easy to create. And this is what I am seeing over and over and over with 21st century businesses. This is called network effect. Uh, the, the term was coined by Bob Metcalf, the inventor of Ethernet. I, I actually know him. He's a very, very interesting guy. And what Bob said was that a network is the value of a network is equal to the number of participants squared. Okay, so if, if eBay goes from half a billion users to a billion users, it doesn't double in value at four times in value because every buyer attracts sellers and every seller attracts buyers. Um, if Tim doubles the number of entrepreneurs that he serves with his virtual assistant business, he, if he quadruples the power and the value of that business, not just double it. And so th this is what I've been preaching. I did a whole seminar on this um, called Rosetta Stone. Uh, in fact, I, I just kind of did a, a reinvented version of that in London literally last week. Um, and this is a whole different way of thinking. Um, and it's a way of looking under the hood of the car to what really makes the engine work because it's, it's not about the wheels and the steering wheel. It's, it's about the inner workings. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's a great analogy because I see you know, your, your colleagues' virtual assistant business and how it would be like Uber. Uh, Uber has, you know, the version of Uber now it's a whole lot better than it was when it first launched. You know, they, yes. you know, they, you know, a colleague of mine in the space, he would often tell people that were kind of stuck in launching their product or service. He says, you know what, you put out crap 1.0 and then you put out crap 2.0 and then you <laughs> just keep improving until you get it right. Um, but don't wait. Cause if you're sitting there and you're afraid to release crap 1.0, eventually someone else is going to do it and you're going to go, Oh, wait a minute. I missed that opportunity. But you know, it sounds like that you know, you, you know, that person with a VA business, you know, is using technology from, and I, I hate to you know minimize it this way, but it sounds very much like you know a dating type of app where it's like, here's a person right. looking for this, here's a person that has those skill sets, and you line it up, and if you do that, the amount of time it saves an entrepreneur, an executive, or whomever is looking for an assistant for onboarding and having you teach them, okay, this, this is how you share a social media post on Twitter or Buffer or Hootsuite or whatever you want to use, where this person already has that skill set and does it already, you say, okay, here's the content, go. It saves hours. Now multiply that over time. It, it the, the savings alone is absolutely amazing. And it's, it's an incredible way to do that. And like I said, that's just one example. And I think the theme here is 
looking for areas that we can make things better, more efficient, easier for people in life, figure out how they want it, deliver it to them in a kind of a concierge silver platter way, like you mentioned, uh, then that's when you're going to start seeing uh, some traction in what you're doing. Because I think everybody goes, well, I'll do this and they'll do this. It's like, because we, I think many of us get into a rut of this traditional brick and mortar type of thinking. And it's like, no, we have, we have to think differently on these things. We have to approach things differently because, you know, the, the consumer demand is constantly evolving and changing in what they want. And we have a society that we are quite used to being able to pick up our smartphone and do things with it and have it happen almost instantaneously. So uh, it, it's, it's crucial that, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, addresses that expectation from, from people. And sometimes you can change people's behaviors and all that. I know Apple tends to be decent at doing that over their life. I don't know how much now, but they have, you know, over the last, you know, couple decades, you know, they've definitely made people change behaviors on things. But I, I think at the end of the day, you figure out what, you know, what's out there. And like you said, you know, finding those things that people don't really want to tackle. And if you tackle them and come up with a solution, well, hold on, your, your life's about to get a whole lot more busy. You mentioned something that is super important. You talked about crap 1.0 and crap 2.0. And uh, when in all of these self-reinforcing networks that they manifest themselves in many different ways, what they all have in common is, is starting somewhere and iterating and iterating and experimenting. I think the, the world is so much more complex than it was 20 or 30 years ago, people think that they can still project forward and, you know, 20 steps and figure out what the future is. And, and you can't. Um, what always happens when you, when you build these businesses is, well, you, you, it's like, well, let's find somebody and assistant. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's start there. Right, and they, and they go through the process, and it's probably pretty bumpy the first few times. Usually, it's just your job to hide the bumpiness from the client while you madly scurry around and figure it out in your back office. And then you do it again and again and again and again, and you refine it. And what always happens is these unexpected little surprises pop out. Um, that you couldn't have foreseen because somebody says something or you meet somebody, but the flywheel is already turning. Um, and, uh, and, and so usually you can't, you can't map these out in like some 24-month business plan. I mean, it's fine to have one if you want, but you, you're not going to actually do that. Uh, and it's all going to be in the ongoing experimentation. And there, there's, there's going to be some little thing that ends up like, like being a huge lever. Like, oh, like that's the taproot of this problem. That's the focal point. That's the real bleeding neck that these customers are having. Um, and, then, and then all of a sudden you end up with this very unique business where nobody's nobody's really doing that like yeah i know they're doing 
similar things, but nobody's doing it that well that way. Yeah, and finding that um, secret sauce uh, is is you know is an effort. It takes some time. You know, sometimes you may you know using a baseball analogy, step up to the plate and hit the first pitch and and you know and hit a home run and and life is good. But f- most of the time, it's you know, getting in there and kind of looking around and figuring things out and trying different things. And like you said, you find that that point where you know the individual or the organization. You know, their true pain point and bleeding and you go, okay, let's address that. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, we just created a solution that no one else has ever been able to approach. And mm-hmm. again, when you get to that point, uh, it, it makes it just, it's an amazing sensation. And, you know, I've had that, you know, in, in consulting and, and working with people and breakthroughs and, and coaching and all of that, it's, you know, they bring you in and you start talking with them about what they perceive as their issue which it is but there's usually something else to it and you get to that root like okay this is actually the cause of this and wow it's literally opens up doors and they see with clarity for the first time and and all of a sudden things just start flowing so much easier and when you get to that and you have a product or a service that can reach those heights uh, again you you you've really landed on something and you know, figure out the best way to, uh, one, monetize it, of course, but also you know, make it scalable and, okay, how can I use this elsewhere or how, how does it work in other industries or just in this industry? And that's when it gets really fun. Not that the other stuff isn't fun, but when, you, when you're really working on something and, you know, just saying this from a personal standpoint, it's a blast when you get to be in this creative state and work on these things and discoveries and it's, it, 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 I tell you, it makes time go by. That's for sure. It does. I have found that most clients do not know what their problem is. Um, most of the time when I get into a consulting, so for example, I, I had a client come on board. They, they said, we need a, an autoresponder system that's going to follow up with all of our leads. And so you know, we came in and, you know, we looked at things, but what we actually discovered was, is the process of how they um, handled the leads and answered the phone needed an incredible amount of work. And we raised their appointment to their, their leads to appointment rate from 10% to 40% in about six or eight months. Uh, and at some point, yes, it was appropriate to to put in autoresponders, but by the time we got them up to forty percent, we hadn't even done that yet. Um, and and most of the time, people don't actually know what their real problem is. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a super quick story. One of one of my favorite stories of all time is Beowulf, which some people might have read in English class in high school or college. It's it's 1,300-year-old story. It's the oldest thing in anything resembling English. And in the story, um, Beowulf is a consultant, and he gets a request for quote from a king who's got a monster. The king has a beer hall, and the monster likes to show up every couple weeks and kick down the door and kill everybody. 
and it's really hurting his Google reviews. So, uh, hey, can, you know, do you think you can help here? And so, uh, so he gets hired. He gets the job. And uh, so Beowulf sleeps in the beer hall. And sure enough, one day the monster comes back. And uh, Beowulf rips the monster's arm off. And the monster, Grendel, goes bleeding into the swamp. And everybody's like, yay, you did it. And, you know, and they start celebrating. Well, the celebration is abruptly interrupted by Grendel's mother. Nobody knew this monster had a mother, but now they do. And the mother is pissed off. And she starts killing people. And then she goes and disappears into the same swamp. And uh, what the story says is the swamp was so dreadful not even a deer being chased by wolves would go into it. They would rather be eaten by the wolves. Um, well, so Beowulf, he dives into the swamp and he goes down, down, down. It takes him a whole day to get to the bottom. And he, he finds her and he, and he starts wrestling with her. He finds out his sword does not work. And she's strangling him and he manages to wriggle away and he finds this other sword that was forged by ogres many centuries ago and he kills her and like now he's the hero that everybody thought he was at the beginning now this story has a very deep meaning for business is uh first of all what the story says is that if you solve a problem but you don't kill the thing that gave birth to the problem you still have a problem uh, the second thing that this story tells you is that the, the only way to solve the problem is to dive to the bottom of the swamp that nobody wants to go into. And I alluded to this earlier. Um, you know, everybody wants to go solve an easy problem. No, go solve a hard one. Go solve a problem that nobody to date has been successful addressing. Okay, and then the third thing is you have to get to the bottom of it. You can't solve problems at a surface level. And when you get to the bottom of the problem, the tools that you've been given so far in your life aren't adequate and they don't work. And the, and the tool that will solve the problem is the tool that you find when you're down there at the bottom of the swamp, which is exactly what, what Beowulf does. And this is such a parable of my entire life. Well, I got this problem and I thought I solved it and now I just got a worse problem. So now I got to deal with that. Nobody even wants to look at it. And there's an elephant in the room and it really sucks and it's really inconvenient, but you got to do something about it anyway. And so, um, it's, and, and then you almost die, but in the, you know, in the throes of almost dying, you actually find the weapon that you need and you kill the monster. And there's no guarantee that you're going to kill the monster. And there's no guarantee that you're going to come out alive. But you're not going to be a hero unless you go on the journey. Absolutely love that story. And it makes so much sense. And especially the thing that really jumped out at me. And I know we're up against it on the time. Uh, but the thing that jumped out at me is when you get down to the bottom, the tools that you have aren't going to fix this problem uh, because no. you would have used, you would have used those tools much earlier on and you would, yes. have had it, but that doesn't, yes. 
So that's why when people are, are going through some things, it's like you got to get the you know new tools to be able to address these issues. So Perry, I've loved our conversation today. Where can people find more about you and this awesome work that you do? Go to perrymarshall.com, P-E-R-R-Y-M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L.com, perrymarshall.com. It just scroll down. I've got an email series called the 30 day street MBA. If you subscribe to that series, um, you will, you'll get an email series for the next 30 days. And every single day you will look forward to opening those emails. Um, I've gotten huge rave reviews. It'll take you on a journey and get you more familiar with what we're talking about today, starting with the very first message. So perrymarshall.com. I'll definitely have that in the show notes and I definitely highly encourage everybody to sign up for that email series, including myself. Um, so Perry, thank you so much for your time today. Again, appreciate you and, and I've loved our conversation today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Cheers. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.